before I start the show off proper, a uh, couple of things I want to say. First, I want to give special thanks to the old shag. You'll hear why in a little bit. So during this show, I talk about the OMAC project, the six issue miniseries. I forget who shows it that it was on. After I got a recording, I got looking and I found out that it was uh, friends of the show, Maggie and John Schaefer Hames. I guess it's John and Maggie, whichever. The Schaefer Hames is married with comics. Make sure you check out their show. It kind of, sort of, Lucy, I think, ties into this one. Anyways, that's enough about that. Let's go ahead and start the show. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. <laughs> My name is Aaron Moss, and this is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. This is an hour-ish long podcast where we'll talk about the Will Payton Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comic from the late 80s, early 90s. We'll talk about every appearance of these two great characters. If you've never read them or haven't read them in a while, this may be a good time to explore these issues. Now, let's get started with our first comic. Welcome back, Star Hunters, to episode 30 of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. This month, we're going to be looking at the books. Well, okay, the book that came out in June of 1990. Hang on a second. I forgot to put my phone uh, vibrate. Hello? Hey, Aaron. It's Shag. I was wondering, have you finished the JL May episode for your Starman Manhunter show yet? Uh, what are you talking Task Force Sex is involved over. You know, Villains United, remember? Yeah, but you also volunteered to do Manhunter number 14. You know, the Kate Spencer book, remember? <laughs> I think I would remember signing up for... Crap, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you repeat that a little bit louder and let me record it so I can play it for Rob? I never get tired of hearing that. Son of a... Hey, language! Remember, I'm the irredeemable one. Now, regarding the episode, whatever you do... Just make sure it's good. You keep blaming me for starting that show, so it needs to be great, finally. Thanks, Shag. I better get recording. Hey, do you want to take a bit and record with me? Uh, I guess you kind of forgot about the lawyers and the restraining order I have on you. You're lucky my lawyer even let me call you to remind you about this episode. Yeah, all right, I see. Uh, well, thanks again, Shag. Hey, no problem. Just quit blaming me and Bailey for your podcasting addiction. And man, Kate Spencer, she's hot. <clears throat> so as I was saying before Shag rudely interrupted me, welcome to the Starman Manhunter Venture Hour, where episode 30, where this month we're going to look at the JLMA 2020. Uh, this month we're joining in and looking at Manhunter number 14. Uh, but before I get that, let me tell you this. Uh, every May, a bunch of podcasters get together and we talk about usually something justly related and we call it JLMA. 
This year we're looking at the, I believe it's called Road to Infinite Crisis. It's the crossover before the crossover. And over on the uh, Task Force X, I looked at the Villains United books. Me and Derek WC, great time. And apparently I have volunteered also to do the Manhunter number 14. Uh, no, this wasn't the Mark Shaw Manhunter. That, that I've already done that one. Uh, this is Manhunter 14. This is the Kate Spencer Manhunter book. So we're going to go ahead and join up with that. Uh, this was part of the OMAC crossover. The information on the book, like I said, this was Manhunter number 14. The cover date on this was November of 2005. The on-sale date was September the 21st of 2005. The cover price for this was $250. That's right, it went up to $250 by this point. The title of this one was called Manhunter Part 4, The Devil Inside. The last part of the Manhunter man, uh, miniseries within a series or whatever. I may look at this book later on once I'm done with the Starman. I'm not quite sure yet if I'm going to get to this book or not, but this is the fourth part of that card. Uh, writer was Mark... Andrioke, Andrioko, something like that. Penciler, Javier Pena. Inker, Fernando Blanc. Letter, Travis Lanham. Color, Steve Buschletto. Editor, Joan Liddy. The cover was done by Jesus Sayas. And this was Reaper Manhunter, Trial by Fire, trade paperback, which came out in 2007. So as I said, here's the synopsis. Uh, this is the final part of a four-part Manhunter storyline. And it looks like our old buddy Mark Shaw is involved with it. So that gives me more reason to look at this storyline, doesn't it? Or this, this series. Uh, this issue starts out with Cameron Chase and some guy named Dylan speeding down a street looking for Kate Shaw, a.k.a. the current Manhunter. Then we cut to an OMAC 1966, blasting both Kate and Mark with some Sonics. As Kate flies out the window, the OMAC grabs Mark by the throat, talking about eliminating Manhunter tech. Kate is able to climb back onto the ledge, attacking the OMAC, getting his attention, allowing Mark to attack from behind. The OMAC attacks both of them, again blasting Kate off the ledge. She lands on the truck that Chase was in earlier in the story. Cameron Chase, who was part of the D.O., she had her own book for a while. Uh, anyway, she tosses Kate's Manhunter mask to her as Kate rushes back in to save Mark. I should call her Manhunter, but with Mark Shaw in here and them both being Manhunter, for her as Kate and him as Mark. <laughs> Meanwhile... Chase uses a harpoon gun that her associate Dylan previously liberated from the Black Manta in lieu of payment to scale the building to help her friend. Kate starts attacking Omak, where she discovers that there's a human being encased in the armor. Her power to knock the Omak aside, where she shows that the human in armor is someone named Harold. Meanwhile, Mark lets Kate know that the Omak is trying to get something that is inside of Mark himself. Kate bashes the Manhunter suit, I'm sorry, Kate bashes the Manhunter staff on the back of the Omak destroying the staff as Mark pulls something from his neck and destroys that. Having both pieces of Manhunter technology destroyed, though Mac turns and leaves the battle. As Kate, Dylan, and a bleeding, unconscious Mark flee the scene, they almost hit a man in a car that Dylan seems to recognize from somewhere. The story ends with Kate getting Dylan to let Mark be his new roommate. We then cut to Kate saying goodnight to her son, and after the boys put the bed, her and the man the kid was staying with, I'm not sure who he is, start making out. And that's the synopsis for this. That's going to get my... So as I usually do, I'm going to start the cover. Uh, this We have the Manhunter logo. It's got a the o OMAC Project tie-in stamped on the front of this. So what it was, back in 2005, there was this giant 80-page giant thing called the Countdown to Infinite Crisis. It was kind of like a crossover before a crossover. 
because the main crossover was uh, Infinite Crisis. This led up to it. It was a big book. Blue Beetle was a big feature in this book. And also in the book, there was uh, tie-ins to like four different miniseries that were going on at the time. So Countdown, or Countdown to Infinite Crisis, we've become known, was an 80-page comic, like I said. It was priced at $1, much lower than most books, which I get to $2.50, $3, somewhere in there. Again, this was to get people into it. This was to get people to buy the, the main book, which would then get them, hopefully, to buy the, the series and the spinoffs and all that. As I said, there was four uh, miniseries that was tied into this. The main one was the OMAC, Pro- OMAC Project, which our book ties into. There was the Day of Vengeance, which is where the Beetle confronts the Wizard Shazam. Uh, there was the Rain. Ran Thangar War was mentioned on a page. And the main characters of Villain United were featured in a single chapter. But again, the Villains United was the book I covered over on Task Force X. So if you want to hear the, the Villains United coverage with me and their, uh, Derek WC did, check out the Task Force X podcast, episode 50. That's right, my big 50th episode was part of the JLMA 2020 crossover. Also on the internet, Facebook, and other places for this, look for hashtag JLMA 2020. And you can find a lot of the other shows, should be most of the other shows that tie into it, on the website, which is smah.headspeaks.com. And also over on the Facebook page, which I'll talk about, or the paid group, which I'll talk about in just a minute here, uh, I will have a, a banner for it and it'll list most of this, the uh, podcasts that are involved with this. So look for their May issues, or episodes issues. Um, anyways... Uh, real quick, before I get on with the storyline, let me talk a little bit about uh, the Facebook page that I was talking about. Up until now, I've had a Facebook page for each of my podcasts. It gets time-consuming, and I, I have some visitors, but not a whole lot. So to make things easier on me, I'm doing with all my Facebook pages, and I'm going to have two Facebook groups. Uh, I've got my G.I. Joe, Real American Headcast, and that's... F- mainly for the G.I. Joe podcast and G.I. Joe stuff. And then I'm going to have the Headcast Network Facebook group. So if you're going to see in my podcast, especially the Starman Manhunter Venture Hour, or any of them, uh, head on over to Facebook, and you can look for the group Headcast Network. Also, I'll mention here real quick, uh, if things work out right, hopefully in the next month or so, I should have a couple more podcasts starting because I've got too much free time in my hands, apparently. Uh, I guess my wife thinks I have too much free time in my hands. Uh, my wife, Michelle, she... I had a podcast with me. She really enjoyed it. So we've started a couple new podcasts. We're in the process of starting them. Uh, one of them is called Retrospect of the 80s, where me and Michelle look back at uh, the 1980s, a great decade. I was a teenager. She was a young, young lady during that time period. And we talk about anything in the 80s for us. Our other podcast, oh, our second podcast we're going to be starting is the Star Bright Project, which is where uh, me and Michelle, again, we look at the TV show Quantum Leap, again, from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I'm a big Quantum Leap fan. I've watched every episode multiple times. I own the DVD, the Blu-ray set. Uh, Michelle's caught an episode or two here or there, but she hasn't watched, she didn't watch it religiously like I did. So she's going to sit down and start watching the show, starting the very first episode, and we'll podcast about it. It's mainly me and her, but we're going to have some friends showing up here and there. Uh, check that out. Also, our third show we're going to be starting is Voyager's Cast. 
another time travel show. This one from the early 80s, 1982. It only lasted one season, so it's going to be like a 20-episode maxi-series podcast, I guess. But, again, Voyager's not as much as I did Quantum Leap because it wasn't on as much. But I did watch every episode of Voyager's. I loved it. Uh, Michelle's never seen the show, so she's going to sit down with me. And we're going to, again, watch it episode by episode and report back to you guys. And those will be coming out on Thursdays of the month. My main shows are still on every Tuesday of the month. Except for Bravo Team, I'm going to be moving that over to Thursdays also. So I'll have a, a show every Tuesday of the, of the month and a show every Thursday of the month. Uh, but I guess enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into what we're here for. Let's talk Manhunter. So as I do, I'm going to start for the cover. Oh, I said that already. Um, yeah, the OMAC, as far as that, the OMAC Project tie-in. So yes, there is a series, one of the six-issue miniseries called the OMAC Project. Uh, I forget who's doing that offhand, but check the interwebs for that one. Uh, we show Kate Spencer on the front of the book. She's got Mark Shaw's uh, staff on that he used to use. And she's fighting this, this giant, it looks like a giant uh, OMAC. An OMAC, in case you haven't seen it before. It's a humanoid creature. It's all blue. It's got an eye in the middle of its chest. It's uh, got no features on its face except one eye in the middle. And it's got a, a mohawk type thing running down the back of its head. So that, that's an OMAC. Again, there was a six-issue miniseries. Go out and check it out. Uh, as far as, again, before I go any further with the actual book, because I don't like jumping around like this, because that's what I do. This came out in 2005. This, to me, was uh, not a great era for, I'd say, DC Comics, but both Marvel and DC in general. I was starting to fade out a little bit. I wasn't quite picking up quite as much. as I had just gotten remarried. Uh, a couple years later, we would have a child. And we move, and I would stop buying comics altogether. But this, and this wasn't the end. But th this was starting near the end for me, um, as me and I think uh, Derek talked about over Task Force X. I like the DC crop better, just because I'm more of a DC guy. But both DC and Marvel had a problem at the time. At, back when I started reading comics in the late '80s through the the most of the '90s, they would have their main titles, all that. And then, like, during the summertime, they'd have the crossovers. Uh, usually be the annuals, uh, like I just with the Armageddon 2001 crossover, which with all the annuals. Marvel would do the same thing. At a certain point in the early 2000s, both Marvel and DC, they were basically moving towards a couple of things. One, writing for the trade. I don't necessarily like that. I understand that they're going to bundle these all up, but They've been doing it for years. You could have, and I've complained about this on Head Speaks, I think. You could have like a, a two-issue and then a four-issue gathered together to trade paperback or however you want to do it. You don't have to write every single storyline as a four- to six-issue for the trade. That's my own personal beef with it. But but yeah, they were writing for the trade, so a lot more of their stories were A lot more connected. Again, I like continuity when done properly, but I think they got out of hand in the, like I said, I think it started like the late 90s, early 2000s. It got, got out of hand. Everything was tying into everything. And again, I read most of the books and some was hard to keep up with. The other thing, which kind of ties in the same thing, before, like I said, they had to have their crossovers in the summertime. They would have the individual storylines. Sometimes they would cross over. I really enjoyed those. But at a certain point, it got where... It seemed like it was a crossover, 
as soon as that got done, they started another crossover. A month or two later, they started another crossover. And then it got to the point where they would have a crossover. And then like this here, the uh, Road to Infinite Crisis, or Countdown Infinite Crisis, they had a crossover before the crossover. So it just they got crossover happy. And while I enjoy a good crossover, I basically it's, it's what was referred to as event fatigue. A lot of people got this earlier than I did. Again, I'm a big geek and a big DC fan, so I was able to, to take it a little bit more. But yeah, eventually I think I said fatigue. I just got tired of, of crossovers all the time. Again, that's, again, part of my opinion, that's one thing DC and Marvel both did wrong. Instead of having, you know, six to eight months of regular stories. And again, you have some good stories in that time. And then having three or four months or whatever of a crossover, or even like they were doing in the, in the early 90s, depending on the annual, they just, it was just crossover after crossover, and I just got burnt out on it. So that's one thing besides not having the money because I just got remarried. I had a kid a couple years later. I just didn't have the money for all the comics I used to buy. So not besides I have the money, just the event fatigue just took it out of me. So I, I don't think I picked up any of these crossovers at the time. I read them all later in trade paperback. Uh, and I enjoyed them all overall. But again, it was just at the time this came out in 2005... I was hitting event fatigue. I was just getting tired of event after event. So I, I missed a lot of this when it was happening. Again, I did read all these miniseries later on. I did get the 80-page giant. Uh, I enjoyed that. And again, in the 80-page giant, something horrible happens that most uh, comic fans of the time don't like to admit happened, or they, they in their head kind of didn't happen. Again, for more on that, uh, go over to, uh, again, friend of the show, Michael Bailey, not only just front of the show, but God of one of the God show. His, uh, uh, which up show was it again? Oh, Michael Michael Bailey's Views from the Long Box. Check out episode 269, where he looks at the JL May 2020 crossover, the countdown to Infinite Crisis. That came out the last of April, which kicked off this. And again, before I continue with the book, let me say thank you very much to Mr. Bailey for inviting me to be along on this this, this ride. Again, I was on there last year. I'm back on it this year. So I really enjoy playing with the, the other great podcasters out there. Uh, they all have great shows. I would recommend checking them all out if you have time. But thank you, Michael, for, for letting me play in the sandbox with you. Uh, so let's go back to the story. So we got Manhunter on the cover. Again, the Kate Spencer Manhunter. I, I haven't covered her yet. So, yeah, she's got a red costume. And, again, we don't get a lot a, a great shot at her. She's kind of on the, to the side looking up at her. Uh, she got a red costume with some white gloves, a white shoulder pad, and some white stripes on it. She's using Mark Shaw's uh, old baton that he used to use, which comes into the story. So let's go and get my thoughts on this. So again, this story starts out, as I talked about in the synopsis, with Cameron Chase and some guy I don't know. I'm assuming he's big in the series, but again, I didn't read this series. Again, I wasn't a big fan of this Manhunter book at the time. I, I think I was just tuning up on the Mark Shaw book being canceled. And then they had another book, I think, before this one that wasn't... Oh, yeah. Came out of Zero Hour, which wasn't a great book. I picked it up, but I was just done with by this point because I, I wanted... Uh, I didn't realize later on he was in this book, actually, for a while. Uh, so there's this guy driving the truck with Cameron Chase. Uh, she had her own book. Uh, she was created by John H. Williams the third, who actually, just interesting little side note, at the end of the episodes... I have my Copa Comics comic rack where I talk about the comic books that came out that month. 
and it was based on Lonnie Cox's comic shop, Copper Comics. I used to get my books out and used to go there religiously. Uh, before he got big, or as he was becoming big, uh, John Williams was writing, was actually working for Lonnie. He was helping him with the book, organizing his warehouse. and So I got to meet him a couple of times. Got him signed one of his first books, which was a uh, Twilight Zone book. He's, he was amazed I had that one. He's like, well, I, I forgot about this one. <laughs> but, but yeah, just a little side fact there that, yeah, he actually created Chase and he did a lot of work on a lot of the big books at DC and Marvel. Uh, so Cameron Chase, she works for the D.O., the Department of Extranormal Operations or something to that effect. Uh, they're both in the truck and they're they're looking for somebody. And we have Dylan his head out the car going, I think I know where she is. And Chase like, how? So I'll call it a hunt as we get like a, a shot of the truck speeding down the street. They're blowing through a stoplight. And off in the distance, we get it looks like some hills with a big explosion going boom. Which we cut to the big explosion, which again, as we said, this is the fourth issue of this little series or miniseries, whatever, within the book. So we get Kate Spencer and our buddy Mark Shaw being blasted by an OMAC. And it's like this actually OMAC 1966 Sonics activated as he's blasting, you know, both our heroes. And we got our title page, Band Hunter, Part 4, The Devil Inside, our credits. Again, this is a really nice page. Again, the the artwork on here. Uh, this is I don't did the entire series. I'll have to look at that later on when I if I decide to read this series for the podcast. Was Javier Pinata Pinya? And the anchor was Fernando Blanco. I don't know if they were there the entire time or if they came on later. But th- this is some good artwork. I think I didn't pick it. I picked it up the first couple of issues, but I don't think I got into it just because it wasn't Mark Shaw and I just wasn't ready for another manhunter or something. I don't know. But I enjoyed this issue, and so I may go back and read the other ones. Uh, but let's talk more about this issue. So we go on, and like talking about the synopsis, Kate get, Kate's, Kate gets blown out of a window, and she's wondering, you know, who's the Omac there for? Her, him, her, or Shaw? And as she's hanging there by the ledge, I do like she's like, I do know one thing. I am really freaking sick of being thrown out of tall buildings. So apparently that was her motif or something, I guess. Again, I didn't read the series, but I may have to check it out because it's interesting. As she's pulling herself back up, we get a good shot of the OMAC. And he's facing down with Mark Shaw, who's cringed in the corner. And he's got a different suit than what he used to have when he was man. We don't get a great look at it here, but we will in a few pages. And again, I, I lost track of Mark after his series ended. So I don't know what got him from point A to point B. But again, I may have to look into that more once at the... Uh, the Starman series, or because I know Mark Shaw didn't show for a while after that, so I am looking into her, and I, I will get back to you guys on that. But anyways, so Kate jumps over the ledge, like, "Hey, one eye," and all of a sudden, I'm not sure if the eye shifts or it's going through. I can't quite make out the artwork on that, but yeah, the manhunter's facing from her, and without turning around, his eye appears back on the other side of the head. The Mohawk switches around, and she's like, "Oh crap!" Like, well, I'm suspicious because again, that's. Superhero banner is what superheroes have to do. And so, again, there's a little more fight-fight. Again, it's great artwork. The Manhunter is, he's, he, it looks like he's either blurred or slightly out of focus. I'm not sure. I do remember the Man- Omar Box. And we'll get to that in the story. But, yes, yeah, so I'm not sure why. If, 
I think maybe he's supposed to buy a computer images order or something just to make it look more technology, if you will, or uh, or the proper word is. But we get some neat shots of them fighting, and then we get Mark jumping up to help out. As I said, he attacks from behind. He's like, "What is this? Another Dumas plot?" So again, Dumas, as you remember, was was big in the the Manhunter series that we covered. He's not sure who this Omac is, what it's doing. So again, he's rightly questioning, you know, is he with doing something else? And again, as I said, Kate gets blasted again, flies down. <laughs> I love the dialogue in this. She's like, again at the falling? This has got beyond annoying. <laughs> so I think the writer did a great job on the dialogue on this book. It's I really, again, I don't know why I didn't stick with it the first time. I'm going to have to correct that error and reread this series. And then we have Dylan and... Chase, Cameron Chase, driving up to where the explosion came from. And they come up at the house that they're coming to is on a giant pillar. And so they're, Chase is like, what is this thing? And Dylan's like, it's a house. What kind of moron builds a house on a stick in earthquake country? So I believe this was set in either San Francisco or L.A. I forget which one it was now. But he's like, what kind of moron is going to build a house on a stick because, yeah, if you don't know California, well, probably not paying attention, but uh, apparently it's one of the, the earthquake capital of the world. We get a lot of earthquakes here. Uh, we sure has it. Uh, in fact, we just had some here recently. Actually, I guess it was in Nevada. We just felt the aftershocks here. But, yeah, California's known having earthquakes. I know when I was growing up, the, the, the joke, in quotes, was that uh, California's going to have a major earthquake, like a major fault line running down the middle of it. And everything west of the fault line, which is like a good half of California, was going to fall off in the ocean. Again, I've been hearing that since, you know, the 70s, and it hasn't happened yet. So, though, if it did happen, I would have some nice real oceanfront property. And it was also, going back, it was also a, a major plot point in Superman the movie back in 1977. Lex Luthor was going to detonate a nuclear bomb on the fault line and cause that to happen. Again, Superman was able to stop it, but that's for a different podcast. We're not talking about Superman right here. But no, great movie. Uh, anyway, so as they're busting through the fence to get into, or actually, you're not busting through the fence, they're just driving through the open gate. One of, I think it's Kate, or I'm sorry, Chase, is saying, is there a punchline too? And I'll just cut off as we see Kate Spencer's body hitting the front of their truck. And that's quite a distance. So again, I'm not familiar with Kate. In this Manhunter book, I'm assuming that... I, I believe she's an ordinary human with the suit, I want to say. Again, don't quote me on this. So I'm assuming the suit is got some sort of uh, protective field or something to help protect her. Because she hits the truck and then she gets up. And Cameron Chase, she knows Kate. She's like, Kate? Even though she has her mask on. <laughs> Cam, I know how this looks, but I can explain. Listen... Shaw is a pawn in a much bigger game. He's not in control of his actions. So again, this is part of the storyline that's been going on. Uh, Kate says, yeah, I know that. See, it looks like she has her mask on at this point, but she didn't have it on earlier. So oh, that's just her hair. Never mind. So even if she didn't know, yeah, she doesn't have her mask on at this point because uh, Chase throws her man on her mask to her. And so she catches it and uses the, the, the power baton to fly back up to the room as the, the OMAC is lighting up and he's sending wires out to plug into Mark Shaw's head and around his face and everything. 
I think we had a lot of computer talk here, locating infracranial technology, microcircuit, blah, blah, blah. Bunch of computer jargon there. Showing that Domac's looking for something. And again, Kate uses the power baton to blast him. And again, as Kate comes in, she's saying we are thought balloons, which again, at a certain point, both comic companies stopped doing thought balloons, which I, I don't like. I like the thought balloons in there, but that's, again, for another gripe for another show. Uh, so she's saying that, you know, Mark, whoever wants, owns the robot, wants Shaw dead, but they don't know who it is. She's like, figure that like, Kater, blow stuff up now. And so just blast the robot. And again, we got outside to the, the, the building on a stick, <laughs> building on a stick, uh, a shadow, a silhouette of that as we see another explosion coming from the room. And then we get Chase down here talking to this guy, Dylan. <laughs> Damn it. How are you supposed to get up there? Jetpacks? He's like, well, if you had asked before we left the house, but then he covers the back of his truck. He's got a harpoon gun. And he says that apparently he used to do some work. Because I'm assuming from what I'm gathering from the, the dialogue in this book is that Dylan used to be a, a sidekick. Or not a sidekick. A henchman. A sidekick's for heroes. He used to be a henchman. He used to work with bad guys. Because she made a joke earlier about him, you know, didn't he used to drive for the Joker or something like that. And here he said he did some work for Black Mana. He never got paid for it. The last paycheck. Huh. And that just, that's kind of funny thing. You know, he's saying he didn't get his last paycheck. It's just funny to me, a supervillain like Black Manta, for instance, like to any of them, paying their minions with like a paycheck. Uh, you see their, their bi-weekly paycheck going down to the bank. Hey, you know, here's my paycheck from Black Manta. What the heck? <laughs> anyway, it just struck me as funny. It hmm? <laughs> I'm a wife sitting here with me. She's like, what if it bounces? Yeah, I don't know who's going to collect the debt on that one. But <clears throat> anyway, so D Dylan... Apparently he snuck back into the warehouse and he took what he owed him in equipment. So that's why I said earlier in quotes, liberated the spear gun thing. And he's like, besides, you never know when this might come in handy. Like right now, as he shoots the spear gun up. And again, Kate Spencer, she worked, Kate Spencer, wrong one, sorry. Cameron Chase worked for the DEO. Apparently she was like FBI or something. Uh, she's like, how did it work? And Dylan's like, didn't they teach you at Quantico? As she swings away to help her friend. God, I want to kick his little rat teeth in. <laughs> hey, I read the... Again, cutting out of this book real quick. I did read the, the Chase book. I have... Or had most of those issues. In fact, I got a couple of them signed. Because I say it was created by uh, John H. Williams III. And Lonnie, the, guy, the comic shop guy, would get him to sign books for me all the time. Anything he worked on. I come in and be in my box and most of the stuff that would be science. That was really cool. Again, my digressing again, though. So uh, Chase gets up to the building and as she's looking around for, she's got her gun in her hand, looking around for what's going on. There's an attacker with some vines or some ropes, tendrils, whatever, coming out and going, swinging at her. She's like, what's that sound? The air conditioner? All of a sudden, Kate tackles her. Get down. Her gun goes off. And then we cut back over to Mark Shaw laying on the ground, kind of beat up and bad. And he's like, I am Dumas. What? Why'd I say that? I'm her blood. DePaul. Oh, God. What's happening to me? So, again, we're, we can tell from here that apparently since the last time we saw Mark, he's not been in quite control of his functions. He, he's got either some sort of Dumas programming. And, again, that's why after I'm going to do some more research and I, I'm going to cover what happened to Mark after his own book ended. But right now I'm just covering the Starman portion. And as I said, I have my wife sitting here, kind of, she's watching what I'm doing. 
And she's correcting me because that's what she does because I tend to mess things up a lot. Uh, and she's saying, yeah, those are probably cables coming out of the, the OMAC, which actually makes sense since he is a computer, a sentient computer type thing, a sentient robot, which we're going to find out here in a minute, a little bit more about that. Yeah, it would be cables of some sort of Ethernet or, maybe not Ethernet, I guess, but some sort of cables that allows the computer to, to connect up to a human. Again, for more on the OMAC project, definitely check out the, the mini-series on this on the JLMA 2020 crossover. Uh, so the OMAC grabs Mark Shaw again. Again, Kate tries to help, and she cuts into the, the OMAC, and she sees blood coming out. So now she's realizing that the OMAC, there's a person inside there. And this is kind of what I touched on briefly earlier. The OMACs, what they are, it was something... There was the OMAC... I'm trying to make Brother Eye was something that Batman created to help him keep tabs on everybody. Because at this point, it was paranoid Bat-God. He had to have a contingency plan for everything, so he created Brother Eye to, to help keep an eye on the world. At some point, and again, I, I haven't read this in a decade and a half, so don't quote, me, don't quote me on this, but I believe Maxwell Lord, we find out over in the, the countdown to Event Crisis, took over Brother Eye, and, and he started taking control of the Omax. Again, Maxwell Lord shows up, and he's a big part of the Countdown Different Crisis. He, he helped leads up to all this. Again, if you want more on that, try that again. If you want more on that, definitely go check out Michael's show. He did a great job. He had Shag and a bunch of other co-hosts covering the different sections. Uh, so the, as I was saying, these Omax, there are people that are at somehow, I guess, captured something and converted and when they get a certain signal, they change from an ordinary human and they get this, this cyber uh, armor or something around them. They all look the same. And so Kate finds out her armor, her weapons can hurt it. So she jubs her hand in the eye and breaks it apart. We see a human face in there. And then Chase shows up and she apparently, again, I don't remember this from her book because it's been two decades since I've read it, I believe it was. But apparently she has some sort of power. And she said, you know, my head's buzzing. Here it comes again. And she lets you with a blast. And the OMAC is saying, unidentified meta in proximity. Warning, electromagnetic override. Again, I forget what power she has exactly. Something to do with electromagnetics, electromagnetics apparently. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to read that book again. That was a good book. I enjoyed that. I just don't remember because it's been so long. I'm in between there and there. Uh, but she's, again, takes out the OMAC temporarily. And we get... I believe it's Chase saying that someone named Harold is inside that thing. And so, yeah, so it is Chase saying that. He, she's wondering, you know, who he's working for. Is a checkmate up to its old tricks? Again, for more on Checkmate, check out my Task Force X podcast. I'm covering the original Checkmate written by uh, Paul Kupperberg, good friend of the show. In fact, just while I'm talking about Paul real quick, I recently got a book from him, the 50th issue of Vigilante, which was the end of the series that he wrote. And he signed it and, you know, to Aaron... And the Headcast Network that was a great issue, great series. Uh, Paul's a great guy. We've talked to him before over in Task Force X. Anyways, that's, again, I'm digressing again. That's what I do. And this remarkable, as I talked on the synopsis, lets Kate know that it's not there for him specifically. It wants something that's inside of him. And Mark's saying, you know, he worked, went for the government. They, they made him the Manhunter. They did something to him. They implanted something inside of him. Linking him and the staff, be the member of it, but peace are coming back. And again, Kate's like, the government? 
And again, from the next dialogue, you can feel that she's basically saying, you know, the government wouldn't do anything like that. <laughs> How cute you are, Kate. Uh, and Chase, again, she's like, he's so surprised. They tested syphilis on back so black soldiers. What's a little super circuitry between friends? And they're, so they're fighting this OMAG, getting ready to fight it again. And as I talk about synopsis, as the, the uh, OMAC goes for Mark Shaw, and again, we get a little more of his armor here. It's a green armor. He's got some yellow uh, shoulder pads. He's got a white, I'm going to call it a bib, metallic bib or whatever, it's a press plate on it. And it's got the, I believe that was the Dumas mark from back during the Manor series he we always coming across. So Kate whacks the uh, OMAC on the back of the, the baton. And she keeps whacking until the baton actually breaks. And then she starts mashing to destroy it completely. And we see Mark reaching behind his head to his neck. And he's ripping some sort of circuitry out. He's like, you want this? Take it! As he rips it out. And Omak Omak sees that both pieces of technology is terminated, uh, eliminated, destroyed. So he's like, Omak 1966, mission completed. And he takes off into the sunsets. And again, Kate's saying that, you know, I had an idea that worked. They were trying to get rid of any manhunter man technology. So I figured staff might do it. And apparently Shaw had the same idea. And again, I like this. They're sitting talking and, and Chase is like, that's really smart of you. Kate's like, you say smart, I say blind luck. God, I want a cigarette. <laughs> and we finally get Dylan crawling up the rope. Uh, again, he wasn't just a lackey. He wasn't a supervillain. So yeah, it took him to climb up the rope. And he climbs. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I get some community dialogue in here, I think. I, I like it. And they're taking loading Mark into the back of the truck. He's like, you do know this guy has a bleeding hole in the back of his... You're not paid to talk, Dylan. Just pet him in the truck. He's like, actually, I'm not paid at all. <laughs> and she asks him for a shirt to help cover up Mark. And as I talked about, they take off as the cops show up. And Cameron Chase calling Director Bones, who's in charge of the EO. Director Bones was a member of Infinity, Inc., I want to say. I forget his name now, but he's got translucent skin. So he uses his bones. And I think his touch is deadly or something like that. Again, it's been a while since I've actually seen uh, bones. But, uh, yeah, she let me know there's a serious problem. And she asked him if you heard of the OMAC project. And as they're driving away, Dylan's asking, you know, are we taking a shot of jail? She's like, no, you're what? But didn't he kill like a bunch of other manhunters? And Kate's like, this wasn't entirely his fault. They're extraordinary circumstances. And he's like, wait, because, again, I didn't really cover much about Kate Shaw because I didn't really read her book. But apparently Kate Shaw was a prosecutor as her day job and Manhunter was her night job. So Dylan's like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be a prosecutor, not a defense attorney, and you kill bad guys. I'll have to explain myself to you. Besides, you'll get to play with whatever weird technology is still in his neck. Really? Awesome. And he's talked about in the uh, synopsis, he goes pulling out, and he almost sideswipes a guy... The guy's got a shaved head, glasses, a mustache, and a logo. T looks like me. Where was me? Huh. I don't want to be in there. Anyways. And uh, he's like, you know, screw you, you. Oops. My bad. Sorry. He gets real apologetic when he sees the guy. And Dylan just kind of stares back at him like, like he knows who he is. In fact, he says here, he's in his thought balloon. I know that guy. But from where? And Kate calls him back. Buddy. So, again, I don't know if this is covered later in the book or if I showed up in this book earlier in the series. Again, I'm going to have to cover that at some point in the future. 
But yeah, apparently there's some sort of tie between me and I'm calling me and Dylan. Uh, I say right at the end of the story, uh, Dylan's got some pizza and dicks and hot wings. As we get Shaw coming out of the, the bathroom, uh, bandage on his back of his neck. And Kate's like, Mr. Shaw, you're awake. How are you feeling? It's Mark. And like my head is a whack-a-mole's game. And he's like, what are you going to do with me now? Send me to Bell Rev. Which again, anyone listens to my shows knows that the Bell Rev is where the Task Force X, the, the Suicide Squad, is located. Ran by Amanda Waller. Uh, this was 2005. I'm trying to remember continuity-wise and chronologically where it was at. I don't think Amanda was in charge of Bell Rev at this point. But I'm not sure on that. We'll, we'll be covering that at some point in the future over on Task Force X. What happened to the Suicide Squad? And uh, so as, as Dylan leaves the room, Kate tells him that, you know, actually I guess it's uh, Cameron Chase saying that normally, yes, I'm not sure the best thing to do. Our government's acting uh, odder than usual. So they talk about it a little bit, and again, just a lot of dialogue here. And they say they give him a new ID, and witness protection. Uh, but for the meantime, uh, he's basically going to live with Dylan. In fact, as Dylan comes walking back in the room, you know, Mark's wondering what's going to happen with him. And he's like, I don't know where to live. I got no, you know, my, I'm broke. Everything I have is actually the clothes he has on are Dylan's clothes, so he doesn't have anything. <laughs> he's like, so I guess with everything, I have to be a naked ex-superhero. And Kate's, or, yeah, Kate's like, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think your new housemate does. And Dylan's like, new housemate? <sighs> okay. Hope you, like, wall, hope you like unicorn wallpaper, roomy. Again, I, I haven't read this book. I don't know why he's got unicorn wallpaper. I'm not going to ask. And then we cut, like I say, we get uh, a house. And again, I'm not familiar with who this guy is. Uh, his name's Peter. I don't know if he's an ex-boyfriend or husband or ex-husband or what to Kate. But her son is staying with this guy right now. And she comes and tucks him to bed. And like about in the synopsis, oh, before I say that, he tucks him in the bed. And next to the kid's head, he's got a uh, a little Superman pitch-like and a, a Batman bust. Like I say, the Superman is, is vague. But there's no, again, Superman, let me rephrase that, classic Superman is recognizable. Uh, they kind of, again, in my opinion, messed that up in the New 52 when they got rid of the trunks. But that's a complaint for another time. But there's a picture here you can see, you know, a guy in blue, red trunks, and a little bit of a yellow shield on his chest. It can't be no one else but Superman. And right behind that is some sort of, I'm assuming it's a bust of some sort of Batman. Where and why he has a Batman bust, I don't know. That's interesting. And like I said, the issue ends with uh, this Peter guy shutting the door. And, you know, she's saying that she's been doing a lot of good housekeeping lately. And that's why she's uh, sound like a real mom. And they start kissing. He starts pulling her clothes off. And the door shuts to be continued. Which we're not going to see because we're not going to cover that book. But anyways, that was Manhunter number 14. Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I don't know why I didn't read the series to begin with back in 2004, I think it was. Yeah, 2004 when it came out. I remember picking up the first couple of issues, but for some reason I just didn't stick with it. It may have been money-wise I was a little tighter and 
this didn't make my cuts. I will have to relook at this and re-examine this book and, and get my thoughts on it. But that's again for another show, another time in the future. Uh, the artwork was really good. I like the the. Like I say, I, I know I read the OMAT project in trade paperback form later on, but I don't remember much about that one. I know one of the podcasts on the network, or not on the network, but on the uh, my podcasting friends are doing an sh- uh, episode on this. So definitely check that out. I still have some links to whatever I have in the show notes. Uh, but let you guys think. I really enjoyed it. And again, this was a, not as good as Villains United. But again, that was more of my alley. That was, you know, Task Force X, basically, of Suicide Squad type stuff. So, really good. Anyways, we're going to take a few minute break here. You'll try to get some water, some soda, whatever you need. And I'll be right back uh, with our next segment. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour will be back after these messages. I hope he's home. Does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So, what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, Don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This podcast crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box, located at www.fortressofbailytude.com. From there, the event will spread out through the podcasting sphere on Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, Robin, Everybody Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, 
Relatively Geeky presents Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace and the Dr. DC Podcast. Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. <laughs> Me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Oh, hey, I was looking at these old comics and I noticed that there's Hold a Hold that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? We have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married, we change our names, we combine our comic collections, we start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly f*** up. <laughs> it goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey, to Phoenix, to Dead. Um, and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys. <laughs> yeah. and now, uh, a brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. A brainwave camera. Uh, and Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast, where two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.lipson.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Ohatmu. Shag, do you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. 
I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first. So we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, to. No, the French cannot be the Enough! Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? Welcome back. Definitely check out those shows. Check out the Jail Made the Entire Crossover. Uh, definitely, like, I'm going to have to recommend it. My show, Task Force X, The Villains United. I love that series. It was great. But yeah, like I said, most of these series were pretty good to one point or another. So definitely check out all the crossovers. Check out all the shows. Uh, but let's get on to this next segment. We're going to go ahead and look at... Copy Comics Comic Rack. And this is for books that came out in September of 2005. Since, again, this is, this was the month that this came out. And again, I haven't looked at this beforehand, so we're going to go through it as I usually do together. Starting, I'm going to mention this 100 Bullets, number 65. Again, I missed this series when it came out, but I did read the first couple trade paperbacks. It was actually an enjoyable series. Uh, moving on from there, there was Absolute Batman Hush hardcover. I, get, I didn't get the hardcover, but I had the Hush series, or the Hush storyline. Uh, more action comics, 831. This was a Villains United tie-in. Also this month was Adventures of Superman 644 with Zantana on the cover. Again, for more on Superman, uh, check out Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor's From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman crossover or Superman podcast. I, th- I think they're going to come up to this era of Superman and stop. Also for more on the uh, Villains United cover this issue, but the Villains United crossover, as I talked about, check out my other show. Uh, moving on from there, there's All-Star Batman Robin, The Boy Wonder, number two. I picked the first one of this, and uh, Frank Miller, by this point, he got off the rails. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Amazing Fantasy, number 12. That was for Marvel. Amazing Spider-Man, number 524. Uh, moving on from there, Aquaman, 34. Again, for more on Aquaman, check out the Fire and Water podcast and their whole network of shows. Uh, Archie 560. Again, I, I used to read Archie when I was younger, but I wasn't buying the books. But again, it's Archie. 560, I had to mention that. There's several Archie books, Jughead books, Archie and Pals, blah, blah, blah. A lot of that stuff out. Authority, The Magnificent Kevin, number one. I believe this was written by Garth Ennis. I had this one. I'm not sure if I still do or not. Actually, there was two issues out this month. Issues one and two of Authority, The Magnificent Kevin. And to be honest with you, I don't remember what it's about. I think I enjoyed it. I was enjoying the Authority at the time. Again, I got the Authority later, but I picked up a lot of the trade paperbacks. Also, there's the Serpent Crown trade paperback. 
the server crown, if this is what I'm thinking it is, I guess I could click on it and look and see. Oh, yeah, and real quick, before I go in, this is all coming from mikesamazingworld.com. Uh, Mike does a great job on uh, listing all the comics from the different eras and what the credits and all that. And again, yeah, this is from the uh, the crossover from back in 89, I believe it was. This was one of the, the, the Marvel crossovers. So, again, I enjoyed that one from what I remember. But again, I don't remember much at this point. Uh, 68, uh, Batman 65, Batman Strikes number 13, Batman War Games Act 3 Trade Paperback, Batman Gotham Knight 69, Batman Jekyll and Hyde number 6, Batman Journey into the Night 2, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 195. Wow, there's a lot of Batman books. This was Batman was very popular. And again, for more on Batman, definitely check out some other podcasts out there. Some from some from try that in English for you guys. From some friends of mine. Again, Michael Bailey has the Overlooked Dark Knight podcast, where him and I believe it's Andrew Leyland looks at different Batman books. And then there's also uh, from front of the show, Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. The uh, Nightcast, where they look at all the different... They're looking at the Batman books from post-crisis up until, I guess, they get tired of it. I, I don't know how far they're going to go with it, but yeah, it's Nightcast. Uh, they're up to episode number 27, it looks like. It's the last one I'm seeing on here. Again, I'm a little behind on all my podcasts, but I really enjoy what Chris and Ryan's doing on that. Uh, moving on from that, there's some bra- uh, Betty... Or Betty and Veronica books from Archie. Bionicles had a couple, had a series, it looks like. They're at issue 26 at this point. Wow. Uh, Birds of Prey, number 86. Uh, much better than the God Awful movie. I'm not going to say God Awful. I've just started watching it. I bought the Birds of Prey movie. I'm maybe a quarter, a third of the way through it, something like that. And it's a decent Harley Quinn movie, but a horrible Birds of Prey movie. Uh, but more on that later, I guess. Uh, moving on from there, there's some Black Panther books. Uh, Black Widow, Blade, Blood of the Demon, number seven. I was enjoying that one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bloody Mary Trade Paperback. That was a, a Helix, I believe, title. Again, I remember picking it up, but I do not remember what it was about. Or no, it was a vertical book. It was a vertical book. And I'm pretty sure I picked that up. It was written by Garth Ennis. And again, I was picking almost anything Garth Time, but I don't remember what that one was about offhand. Hmm. Uh, moving on from there, there was Breach, number nine. Again, I read a couple of the breaches. I don't think I read the entire series. The breach was a, a Adam slash Firestorm analog. And the main reason I'm mentioning this, besides being a Firestorm analog, I think in a plus B Firestorm, is into the Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not sure who's covering that one. If anyone is, no one was really keen on jumping forward on that one, but it's there. Uh, moving on from there, there was Captain America. Number... 11. This was the rebooted title over at Marvel. Well, not rebooted, but th- they restarted it again. Uh, moving on from there, there's Catwoman number 47. Uh, we had City of Heroes number 5. I only picked up one or two of these books. Uh, City of Heroes was based on a, uh, I forget what it's called, MMORG, whatever game that you could buy for the computer where you're playing a superhero. I had the game and I started playing it, but then kids and life and everything just got in the way. So I didn't play very much, but I really like the idea. Because, again, it's superheroes. Uh, some Conan books I'm not going to get into. Daredevil, number 77. Uh, this is part of the Marvel Knights line, it looks like. 
moving on from there, there's Day of Vengeance number six. Again, Day of Vengeance is one of the crossovers for the, the Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Uh, someone on the, out there is doing a podcast on that one. I don't remember who it is offhand, but I should be a little more prepared for this. But it's me. What do you want? Uh, Detective Comics 811. I've already mentioned the, the both Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin show and Michael Bailey. Uh, they both got Batman shows. I'm sure one of them's going to cover this at some point, possibly. Uh, moving on from there, there was Doom Patrol number 16. This was a rebooted Doom Patrol by John Byrne. Again, to me, much like Frank Miller, John Byrne was... Again, I don't think anything bad about it because I love his earlier work. But all of his artwork was starting to look similar. And I just couldn't get into this. Again, it was... The original Doom Patrol brought back to life. Or, again, it was part of the whole... Tied into, the, at some point, tied into the uh, imminent crisis... With you know them coming back to life with no word why is like they first came out even though there was a Doom Patrol I, it, just, it was really weird I picked up the first couple issues I didn't really stick with it I may have looked at that further I don't know anyways a Doom Patrol number sixteen uh, moving on from there there's Exiles number sixty nine and seventy and also trade paperback for the t- t- uh, Exiles again I don't remember picking this one up but this should have been at my alley it was basically some X characters going through time. Or throughout time, through different dimensions and, and visiting different worlds, from I remember right. I've got it digitally to read. I just haven't gotten that far. Now I don't have time for anything, so we'll see. Uh, Fables number 41. I was picking up that. That's the old fairy tales and stuff in a modern world. Uh, Fantastic Four number 531. Fantastic Four presents Franklin Richards number one. Fan number three. So this was during the time over at Marvel. They were doing their House of M crossover. Uh, part of their endless crossovers. Uh, moving on from there, there was Firestorm number 17, which ties into the the uh, Countdown to Crisis. Again, Shag and Rob are covering issues 17 and 18 because, again, they tie into the Villains United. So definitely check out uh, Shag and Rob's show. Found quick. It looks like it was episode 244 of the Fire and Water podcast. A gel made the Firestorm and Aquaman Infinite Crisis tie-ins. So definitely check out there. So they did a great job on that. I've listened to that one already. Uh, great job, guys. Moving on from there, there was Flash 226. Uh, this was the Wally West Flash nearing the end of his run, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there was Ghost Rider number one, a new book. I didn't pick that one up. Uh, again, this was I, at one time I was picking almost every DC Marvel comic. At this point, I was starting to drop off. She getting tired of things. Gotham Central number 35. Green Arrow number 54. I was still buying this one. Uh, Green Lantern Corps Recharge uh, number one. I believe it was a miniseries. Has Guy and Kyle on the cover. Uh, Hawkman number 44. Uh, Hellblazer 212. I guess that's 212 in, in English. Uh, House of M number 7 over at Marvel. It's got Wanda on the cover. Also, there's a variant cover for that. Hulk Visionaries, Peter David, volume number two, the trade paperback. Uh, this has the, the Wolverine on the cover with his claws out, and we see the uh, gray Hulk in the buzz. Destruction number three, in that one either. Uh, moving on from there, uh, there's Identity Crisis hardcover by Brad Meltzler. I said about that, the better. Incredible Hulk number 86. Uh, this was part of the House of M. Crawford. Uh, again, eh. Incredible, Invincible number 26. 
I wasn't reading Invincible at the time, but I came back and read all these books later. It's actually a good series. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Iron Man M number three. Going on, there's JLA number 118 and JLA 119. These were Infinite Crisis crossovers, and they were tying in everything going on at the time. Uh, at the time, after the, uh, the recent identity crisis I talked about earlier, apparently Zantana mind-wiped Dr. Light after he did some unmentionable things to Sue Digby, and uh, she, she mind-wiped him to make him forget what, you know, make him become, that's when he became a loser, and they start putting him against the Teen Titans and stuff. And apparently, again, spoilers for this crossover, this the, the Infinite Crisis and all that. I forget where this was revealed. I think it was in the JLA books. Apparently, she also mind-wiped Batman. That all comes out. And again, that's part of what ties into the Crisis and the uh, the Villains United book. About that a bit also. That, that's one of the main impetus behind that book. Uh, JLA, I say 118, 119... Uh, JLA Classified, number 12. JLA Syndicate Rules, Trade Paperback. Moving on from there, there was JSA, number 77, which was pointing some great covers uh, by Mr. Alex Ross, a great painter, artist, whatever you want to call him. He did some great work. Again, he's not my favorite person just because he wouldn't do Firestar, <laughs> but <laughs> that's my own personal problem with him. But anyways, no, he was a great artist. Uh, there was also JSA Classified, number 3. Because you can't get enough GSA. Uh, some Jughead books. Just Like Unlimited, number 13. Uh, moving on from there, we have, let me see here real quick. Legion of Superheroes, number 10. I enjoyed that book. I was reading that book at the time. I enjoyed it. There was also Manhunter, number 14. I've read that somewhere. I've seen that one recently. Oh, yeah, that's what we just covered. Uh, there was Adventure Comics, number 4, which had the Fantastic Four on it. And also Marvel Adventures, Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four number four. There was a Marvel Adventures Flip Magazine number four, which is the same cover. And then there was a Marvel Adventures Spider-Man number seven. And then a Marvel Heroes Flip Magazine number four. I don't remember those. Marvel Knights four number two. Marvel Knights Spider-Man one. I'm sorry, eighteen. Uh, moving on from there, we also had what other books were out this month? Moving on, skip the ones I don't care for. I don't have anything to say about Mutant Utopia X, number three. That was our part of the uh, House of X crossover. Uh, New Avengers, number 10. Again, I was reading this at the time. It was decent. New Avengers 11. New Thunderbolts 93. This was... Uh, I love the Thunderbolts for the first thing. It was 80 issues. Then they changed over to the Fight Club Thunderbolts which I didn't care for, for like five issues. And they stopped it. And I think it was Fabian Nicaza and Tom Grummet brought it back to the, to the classic Thunderbolts. So I was picking the new Thunderbolts once they got rid of the, the Fight Club junk. There was new X-Men number 18. Uh, real quick, new Thunderbolts. Doesn't look like it was a part of the House of X storyline. Uh, I skipped new Warriors number four. A new X-Men number 18, which was part of the House of X. Uh, there was Nightcrawler, number 10, Nightwing, number 112. Uh, going on from there, there was OMAT Project, number 6. That was wrapping up, as we talked about earlier, the OMAT Project. Uh, Alex 28, 
I wasn't a big fan of this Outsiders book, but I forgot to mention it because it's Outsiders. Uh, moving on from there, there's the Punisher number 25, the Max series, which was... There's a Punisher Volume 1 hardcover of the Max series. Ran Thangar War number 5. Again, part of the, the lead-up to the countdown to Infinite Crisis. One of the crossers I mentioned earlier, the series I mentioned earlier. Robin number 142. Uh, moving on from there, we had Runaways number 8, which was a decent... I read a lot of those in trade paperbacks. I enjoyed those. Uh, that's a mini trade paperback. I, I probably still have them, you can see. Uh, moving there, there was Century number 1. Wasn't a huge fan of Century. I don't know, something about that rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, Seven Soldiers Guardian number 4. Uh, this was, I think it was Grant Morrison, I wanted to say. Revamped the, the Seven Soldiers from the old times into a new series. And they were hit or miss. Uh, there was Seven Soldiers Guardian number 4. There was Seven Soldiers Mr. Miracle number 1. Uh, going on from there, there was uh, Shadowhawk number 4. I don't think I saw this. I enjoyed Shock, but I don't remember if I was getting it this time. Uh, some Showcase Presents books. We're not getting into that. There was Spawn number 150. I had stopped buying Spawn by this point, I believe. There was a handful of different variant covers for that. Spider-Girl number 90. Again, I was picking up Spider-Girl. That was a great series. There was a Spider-Girl Digest number 4, which, again, which are the small little books I was talking about earlier. Spider-Man Unlimited number 11. Spider-Man House of M number four. Which, again, if you couldn't guess, it's part of the House of M crossover. Uh, some Star Wars book. There was a Clone War Adventures volume four trade paperback. Empire 34, 35. Rogue's Leader book. Hmm. I wasn't getting any of those at the time, but it's Star Wars. I got to mention that. Supergirl number two. Uh, this was the revamped uh, Supergirl they came out during the uh, Superman-Batman storyline uh, comic. Superman 221, which, looking at the cover on that one, shows the Reverse Flash and Bizarro, and this is part of the Villains United tie-in. There's a lot of tie-ins that I don't recall offhand, and now that I see them, I remember them, but I didn't really mention any of these on my, on my Task Force X show, just because I don't really remember them offhand. The main issues and a couple things that tied into it. Crossovers with it. Uh, moving on to Superman Batman 22. That was the, the, the series where Supergirl reappeared a little before that. In fact, the next book listed here is the Superman Batman Supergirl trade paperback that reprints that storyline. Superman Shazam First Thunder number one. Superman Birthright trade paperback. That's where they try doing a, a redo of. Superman's Origins, mid-continuity and stuff. I'm a fan of that. Uh, Marvel, their Max series, or Max line, had a Supreme Power Hyperion number one and a Supreme Power Nighthawk number one. I enjoyed the Supreme Power series. I don't remember if I picked up these, these issues, though. Uh, moving on from there, uh, there's Teen Titans and the Outsider Secret Files and Origins, 2005 number one. Uh, again, it looks like Teen Titans was stopped at this point. Ultimate Fantastic Four, number 23. Ultimate Iron Man, number 4. Uh, the Ultimate Secret, number 3. Ultimate Spider-Man, 82. And 83. Uh, and Ultimate X-Men, 63. Ultimate Summer, 28. A lot of Ultimate books. Again, I read some of these on and off. My uh, middle son, Stephen, was a big fan of the Ultimate Spider-Man. He has a lot of those books. Uh, it was... You know, it was 
it was by Bendis, if I'm not mistaken. And my main problem with the Ultimate Spider-Man was they took a lot of the original stories and what would happen like one issue, they would stretch out to four or six issues. And it would update from modern times and do different things with it, but it was a lot of the old stories stretched out longer, which I thought was, I don't want to say a waste, but again, this was the era of writing for the trades became a thing. So what are you going to do? Uh, moving on from there, there was Echo, um, ah. in English that says Uncanny X-Men 464, part of the House of X storyline, uh, Vigilante number one. I didn't pick this one up. I may have picked up the first issue, but again, it, it wasn't the Vigilante I liked. It, just, it was too dark. The, the artwork, and there was, if I'm not mistaken, was really dark. Uh, Villains United number five, which I think I've talked about this a little bit earlier. For more on Villains United, check out Task Force X episode 50. Weapon X, Days of Future Now, number three. Uh, moving on from there, there was Wolverine number 32. And Wolverine 33. Wolverine 33 is part of the House of X crossover. Uh, some other X-Men, or Wolverine and Wonder Woman graphic novels. Uh, X-Men number five. X-Men Colossus Bloodline number one. X-Men Kitty Pride Shadow Cat and Flame number four. Uh, there was another book called Why the Last Man, number 37. Again, I didn't pick this book up off the stands, but I, I did uh, read this later on. I got from the library and trade paperback read it. I really enjoyed that series. And the last one I mentioned is Young Avengers, number eight, over at Marvel. So again, those were the books that came out during the month of September 2005. Check them out. Again, there was other books I didn't read off that didn't have any interest for me or whatever. Uh, again, if you want to see more about them, go to uh, Mike's. AmazingWorld.com. It's a great website. A lot of us podcasters use it. But that's going to do it for this month. And hey, it's just a hair over an hour. I think I did pretty good. Uh, but be sure to check out, like I talked about at the top of the hour, or top of the show, same thing. Check out my other shows. I've got my new shows coming out. The uh, Retrospective the should be out in the next month or two, hopefully. Quantum Cast. Quantum Cast. That's a different show entirely. Sorry about that. The Starbright Project, which looks at Quantum Leap. And uh, Voyager's cast, which looks at Voyager's. I talked about that earlier. I've got my regular first week of the month. First Tuesday of the month is Head Speaks. I just finished up the Armageddon 2001 crossover. Uh, I'm going to look at a couple of the miniseries that went along with it. There was Armageddon Alien Agenda and Armageddon Inferno. And then I may jump in back over and talk about the Power of the Atom series. Uh, the second week of the month... We have G.I. Joe, a Royal American Headcast, where I talk about G.I. Joe, the comic and the cartoon from the late 80s, early 90s, uh, with some friends. Third week of the month, we, month, month, we ask Force X, where I talk about the Suicide Squad and the Checkmate books, again, from the late 80s, early 90s. And then the last Tuesday of the month, we have this show here, the Starman Manhunter Venture Hour, where I'm going to look at the next issue of Star which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is this issue 25. But, and then also, normally on the last Tuesday of the month, the fourth Tuesday, I would also do Bravo Team. But here, I think next month, I'm going to switch that over to Thursdays. That way I have a show every Tuesday and a show every Thursday of the month. So, I hope that works out for us. But be sure to join us next month as we look at Starman. Uh, I guess that's it. Check out the other crossovers. Check out, like I say, go to Mike. Start with Mike. Michael Bailey's View from the Long Box. Episode 239, where he takes a look at the JLMA 
2020, The Countdown of Air Crisis. It was a great episode and branches out and touches on all the other shows that are coming out this month from the various podcasters. But uh, I guess that's it. Until next month. Star Hunters, keep looking to the sky. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Please join us next month for another great, fantastic episode as we cover another issue of the Will Payton Starman series and the Mark Shaw Manhunter series. Uh, keep in mind that these podcasts are not affiliated or endorsed by DC Comics. I'm just a fanboy who loves these comics and wants to spread these love with everyone else out there and just talk about them. Um, again, you can email us at smah at headspeaks.com or you can go to our blog, which is at starman-manhunter.headspeaks.com. You can also go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash starman-manhunter-adventure-hour. No spaces, all one word. But once again, thank you very much for joining us. Until next episode... This is Aaron Moss saying, see you in the funny pages.